This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Every day I wake up and am subject to the burden of embodiment. How dare I be a shape. Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton. And you're listening to I See Why Am I. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Rachel, I would like Froyo. Ooh, what's got you in the mood for some Froyo? <laughs> some s- pink berry? <laughs> I'm a strawberry Froyo girl. A little coconut on top. Uh, a, a winning. Did you say you? I don't like coconut. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. Uh, it's like delicious fingernails. No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> The thing that has me thinking about Froyo, though, very very darkly, is uh, Demi Lovato low-key picking a fight with a Froyo shop in L.A.? I saw this going by on Instagram, and I saw, like, Demi Lovato feuding with Big Chill Yogurt, and I was like, you know what I don't think I need to pay attention to is that. And I didn't. Big, <laughs> Big Chill spelled with two Gs and two Ls. Yeah, honestly, well, Chill is normally spelled that way. So. Oh, shit, it is. <laughs> Okay, so the big chill with two G's and two L's. That's a correct statement. Uh, Demi Lovato posted a bunch of messages that she had sent to the big chill because she found it triggering that the store carried sugar-free products. And Demi Lovato has been very vocal that she's in recovery from an eating disorder. Mm. She said she found it extremely hard to order there because you have to, quote, walk past tons of sugar-free cookies, other diet foods before you get to the counter. She called them diet culture vultures. Okay, I, there's no easy, (laughs) yeah. because, like, I also don't, like, particularly enjoy walking past diet food, but also people have sensitivities. Like, it's not necessarily, it's, oh, God. The store, the store responded pretty similarly saying, you know, hey, we cater to a large clientele. So, you know, we have items for people with diabetes, people who have celiac disease, people who are vegan, and, uh. Demi doubled down. And I think there's ultimately peace on the Froyo front. I think Demi's last statement was something to the effect of, I'm just really passionate about this. And it wasn't coming from a place of, I think she and the big chill will maybe live to chill another day. If we can make this environment safer for everyone, including people that are in recovery from an eating disorder and just want a little Froyo, if we can do that, while also giving Froyo to vegans and, and people with diabetes, let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's do it. It just has to be clear. So that was an online exchange largely rooted in diet culture. But honestly, it feels like everywhere I turn, we are talking about diet culture. Body positivity is just in the air right now. We're not post-pandemic, but we are approaching the point at which it is no longer a public health imperative to sit on your ass on your couch and order delivery, which means that there is just this influx of post-pandemic body. Maybe you want to lose weight. And then the backlash to that, which is your pandemic body is fine. And then there's like the third wave of 
discourse about that. And all of it is extremely exhausting. And I'm not ready for every single gym that I signed up for. I went to exactly one class to send me an email advertising what I should be doing to get back in shape. (laughs) So on today's show, we're going to talk, in case you haven't figured it out, about body positivity. Just to give a little content warning, we're going to talk a lot about body image, eating disorders, all that sort of stuff. And if that's not for you, we totally get it. Catch you in our next episode. I got to say, body positivity is not a topic teenage me would believe that I am like willingly about to publicly discuss. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But thank you to the recent onslaught of media takes and some very bad tweets about uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. I think we have to. Yeah, the Krispy Kreme really sealed this in the zeitgeist. The entire debacle around what was essentially free donuts in exchange for getting vaccinated kind of revealed the ways that body positivity has become this buzzword that both no longer means what it used to and also means nothing. But as the body positivity movement has kind of gained momentum online, it's really grown beyond its radical roots in the fat acceptance movement and become this catch-all. Like the fat acceptance movement was initially predicated on access to healthcare and ending body discrimination and letting fat people live their lives without being denied the things they are like they rightfully have as humans. But somehow that very small ask has been watered down to TikToks made to make size 10 white women feel quote unquote better about their completely fine and normal and let's be completely honest like hot bodies bodies that look like this also look like this bodies that look like this also look like this that particular video is of a thin woman in a bikini whose body looks thin when it looks like this and this and this and this and it is normal safe and preferable that your body makes bulges and rolls as it moves around to allow you the best range of motion that you can have. I'm sorry, I'm so stuck on the like the safe part of it. Was there a safety element that I'm unaware of with bulges? I, like unsafe at any size. <laughs> yeah. People cannot help themselves from talking about bodies right now, which is how we found ourselves hearing from Dr. Lena Wen, who uh, used to be the head of Planned Parenthood, fully losing it on Twitter about this Krispy Kreme donut giveaway. The short of it being Krispy Kreme was offering a free donut to any person who came in with a vaccine card, which great. We love that. Love to see it. The, like, catch-all was there was no limit. If you wanted to, you could just keep coming back day, day, day after day. So Dr. Wen just starts tweeting about how if you eat a donut every single day for a year, you'll gain X number. I'm not even going to, like, get into the calories and pounds because it's just I'm I'm not going to elevate that nonsense. And basically, like, you will turn your body into gloop if you eat a donut every day for a year. Yeah, which, again, I, I don't think Krispy Kreme was recommending, A. B, I, I don't know who would actually do... Like, she seems to be... There's a straw man involved here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he really loves donuts. <laughs> and he this straw man loves donuts. But it's also, like, we're talking about what eating a donut every day will do to your body. What is COVID going to do to your body? Like, if this is what's going to get someone to get a vaccine, I'm sorry, but I don't care. (laughs) This moment in time really overlapped with a point in the vaccine rollout 
in the United States where a fair number of people were able to access the vaccine because of their weight, specifically many people because of the weight they had in fact put on during the pandemic were then eligible for the vaccine based on BMI. Oh, BMI. My nemesis. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in New York, me and several of my friends qualified for... <laughs> me. <laughs> The hosts of this podcast and plenty of other people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was this moment when these eligibility requirements were being discussed where, at least on my timeline or in my circles, it was kind of like, oh, finally, this thing that has been haunting me, and by this thing I mean BMI since I was in middle school... is Mm -hmm. finally going to actually be useful for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, for those who maybe are not as familiar with BMI, it's a 200-year-old system based on the body of a European white dude. It is racist and inaccurate. And was also never meant to be used, like, to discern individual health. It was a population-based measure. So we were never actually meant to use BMI which stands for body mass index, as a measure of individual health. It did force a lot of people to publicly or semi-publicly acknowledge having a quote-unquote bigger body in some form. And I think that was hard for some people, easy for other people. And for a lot of us, just sort of a weird experience. It was very bizarre to suddenly have like a body that the medical establishment has told me is bad (laughs) for so long serve me. Yeah, I just remember feeling and seeing this kind of ambivalence around all of it, this kind of guilt, I think, for people whose BMI was over 30, who otherwise were in fine health, feeling like I am not actually at risk in the way that somebody who has like a pulmonary condition or like high blood pressure or whatever is. And it just felt to me like this kind of bubbling up of body talk that I think the pandemic had largely erased in that we all kind of acknowledged, or at least I don't want to say we, the people I was surrounding myself with had just kind of acknowledged that this was just a year not to think about your body. Like, And then I guess as the end of the pandemic, the horizon approached, I could just feel online this like bubbling up of toxic body conversation like I really kind of appreciated the past year and that it was the first time I think since I was like fully conscious as an adult that I felt in a a kind of escape from diet culture well that's over now because (laughs) whether you're talking about how you're trying to lose quarantine weight or you're talking about how you're not trying to lose it there's definitely Just it's in the air right now. You can't escape talking about bodies, which all roads in the body discussion lead to quote unquote body positivity, a meaningless term at this point (laughs) that leaves me fairly confused and anxious about how I'm supposed to feel about my stupid body. I've long said that in my next life, I want to be a ball of hot gas. Honestly, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is why the other day I saw this TikTok of a woman (laughs) making a similar, a similar argument That really made me laugh. I'm not body positive. I'm not body neutral. I'm body negative. I want to be vapor. Or like a plume of blue smoke. Or mist. Or a rumor. I 
might be a rumor. Maybe. In the video, it's just a woman staring straight to camera like, with long brown hair, sort of seductively explaining that she would not like to, to be a corporeal form. Awareness? Because how embarrassing. There's bones. There's bones in my face. There's bones in your face. Aren't you embarrassed? Okay, frankly, if she tried to sell me Beach Body and did it in that voice, I might be compelled. But I think the compelling part is that she would never try to sell you Beachbody. Like, you can tell. It was just phenomenal. But also something, like, ironically Puritan about the idea of the body is, like, disgusting. After the break, Rachel and I are going to get into our earliest memories of the body positivity complex. Come back to listen to our trauma. being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's face it, sometimes multitasking can be overwhelming. Like when your favorite podcast is playing and the person next to you is talking and your car fan is blasting, all while you're trying to find the perfect parking spot. But then again, sometimes multitasking is easy, like quoting with Progressive Insurance. They do the hard work of comparing rates so you can find a great rate that works for you, even if it's not with them. Give their nifty comparison tool a try and you might just find getting the rate and coverage you deserve is easy. All you need to do is visit Progressive's website to get a quote with all the coverages you want, like comprehensive and collision coverage or personal injury protection. Then you'll see Progressive's direct rate and their tool will provide options from other companies, all lined up and ready to compare, so it's simple to choose the rate and coverages you like. Press play on comparing auto rates. Quote at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. She wore an and we are back with a bop. A bop that has scarred me mentally and emotionally. Since 2004? New news from Yo Play Light. A clinical study shows it helps you burn more fat and lose more weight. They had this commercial in the early aughts about this woman who was, you know, getting her bikini body back and was eating Yo Play to lose all this weight. I, I really, truly think this might have been like my first brush with the concept of like a bikini body or diet culture. Honestly, just hearing it kind of made me a little nauseous. Like, I just remember, like, feeling so bad in my body whenever I saw that commercial. And I was, like, like a child. Third a literal child. I mean, I don't know if you have this kind of seared into your memory, but I fully remember being, I think, nine or ten. And it was, like, health class or whatever. And we were all lined up in the hallway. And we had to get on a scale. No. And Tell them our heights. So there's just this line of kids behind me, and then they would calculate your BMI and tell you in front of all your classmates if you were overweight. No. So I, like, according to BMI, have been overweight since I was, like, 9 or 10. 
because not really designed for my kind of body. <laughs> my, like, one of my like formative memories comes a little bit later, but when I was in college for Eating Disorder Awareness Week, there was a day where the organization would cover up all the mirrors on campus. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. like, the mission here I'm on board for, but now I'm staring, like, washing my hands in a bathroom sink, staring at a bunch of flyers that are like, you're beautiful, fuck body standards. And I'm like, I am more aware of my body in this moment yes. than I was mm -hmm. when I was just looking at my reflection. Yep. I was semi-joking before the break about puritanism, but there's this kind of way in which body positivity has turned awareness of your body into this weird, shameful thing where it's like, if you're ashamed of your body, something's wrong with you. When it's like, maybe it's the broader culture. I don't know. Maybe we should not make this an individual problem <laughs> instead of a structural one. <laughs> Right. And it comes at you from both sides, right? You're not supposed to mm -hmm. feel bad about your body. But if you feel bad about it and want to change it, and mm -hmm. you're like doing totally healthy things to like change how you look or change how you feel, that's bad too. I mean, somebody who's been, I think, really amazing on speaking about this is Lizzo, who on her TikTok and also in all of her interviews, she's very much been vocal about the ways in which body positivity has been co-opted by people who are like conventionally attractive, but who feel the kind of shame <laughs> that society is imposing on all of us. And I just want to like make sure that we're like not invalidating that. Like it's really hard, but that is not what the point of this is supposed to be. Lizzo actually had this really great TikTok lately responding to this woman who was kind of just like, why can I not just feel comfortable in my body? And this is what Lizzo had to say. Fat people are still getting the short end of this movement. We're still getting shit on. We're still getting talked about, memed, shamed, and no one cares anymore because it's like body positivity is for everybody. Yes, please be positive about your body. Please use our movement to empower yourself. That's the point. But the people who created this movement, big women, big brown and black women, queer women, are not benefiting from the mainstream success of it. Our bodies are none of your fucking business. Our health is none of your fucking business. All we ask is that you keep that same energy with these medium girls that you praise. I saw that TikTok and it really, it struck me as a person who, you know, was identified as a fat person by the state of New York, but also has a lot of thin privilege. I am, a, you know, a thin passing person in the world. And thinking about all of the campaigns and ads and Instagram influency things that have been flung it at me as like, oh, this is body positive. Participating in this is body positive. And it gets into your brain. You start to think like, yeah, I want everybody to feel better about their bodies, but it's that's not what it's doing. It's not. And it's just such like, I think the platonic ideal between a rock and a hard place, because again, on one side, feel good in your body. Like no one is telling you not to do that. No one wants <laughs> for people who have been subject to society's bullshit about bodies. No one's going to say to you, like, fuck your body. You're not allowed to talk right now. But the people that fat acceptance movement and body positivity movement was originally built for are not reaping the benefits. Like, what mm. is this visibility doing? How is it actually helping people? Is it changing the medical system? 
Because based on recent medical experiences I've had, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Rachel, I know this is becoming a running theme of the show, but would, would you like to <laughs> would you like to unearth this, this bad experience my trauma, for content? My trauma? Yes. I mean, okay. So again, I am a person who has like a lot of privilege. Like I can shop in most stores and find something to wear. Like I, again, just want to preface that. I haven't been to a doctor in a year because there's a pandemic and I didn't want to go to a doctor's office. And so I went into a doctor to get blood work done. I had never had an appointment with this doctor before. And he's taking my medical history and I'm like, oh yeah, I have X, Y, and Z. And he's like, oh, it's because you need to lose weight. He has not weighed me. I'm wearing like mom jeans and a loose linen shirt. You couldn't even see the outline of my body. And he just looks at me and is immediately like, you just need to lose weight. And I'm like, really feeling great. Like, like, fuck you. You don't even like you haven't you don't even know how much I weigh right now. Like, how are you going to tell me that I need to lose weight when you don't even know (laughs) what I weigh? You are looking at me and assuming it just makes you self-conscious in a way that is not productive for anybody. And again, if this is what we're experiencing as to what TikTok would call mid-sized girls, This is not just about finding clothes or, like, feeling attractive, which are all important things, but this is about getting health care. Yeah, I think that's what bugs me about the term midsize as somebody who falls-ish into that description is, like, shopping for bodies is hard. Like, finding a pair of jeans that fits anybody, impossible. It's hard, but, you know, a lot of the numbers in that category fall into, it's straight sizing. Like, if you can... Like what you described, go into a store and find something to put on your body. Like that's a totally different experience. And that that also translates to your medical experience or to what it's like to be on an airplane or on public transportation. And I mean, so much of this is driven by social media. Instagram has been, I think, properly and continues to be lambasted for the ways in which it promotes absolutely toxic body ideals. But we've both talked about the fact that we're really glad that we didn't have TikTok as teens. So, so glad. Have you seen the uh, the facial symmetry challenge? It's impossible to go on the app without seeing it. It's this challenge in which there's this filter that flips basically your face around because when you look at a selfie camera on TikTok or I think on Instagram as well, you're seeing it as a mirror versus the way people would actually see your face, which is reversed. And so there's this filter you can click where you can see how your face looks, quote unquote, inverse. And people are doing this trend where they're like flipping really fast back and forth between them to see like how symmetrical their faces are. And the way people have lost their absolute shits over realizing that their faces are not symmetrical, which it's one, not a thing I've ever thought to be self-conscious of. And B, also just a thing I thought we had all accepted wasn't, I thought we realized most people's faces aren't symmetrical. Like, I feel like I remember seeing, (laughs) did you have that American Girl book where it's like- The care and keeping of you. Yeah. I feel like literally one of those, like, your most faces are not symmetrical. Like, it's just one of those (laughs) things where I was like, I've never thought my face was symmetrical. (laughs) Right. Like, really hot celebrities have symmetrical faces. Yeah. Like, there's all those dumb clickbait articles where it's like, look how symmetrical, like, Jennifer Aniston's face is, where I was like, okay, yeah. She's a professional That's hot That's the person. only thing standing between me and being Jennifer Aniston. So I tried, <laughs> I tried the inverted filter and uh, I've never been more acutely aware that I have two very different sized nostrils in my whole life. And the thing is, Madison, I look at your face 
for at least, I think, an hour or two every single day on Zoom. I have never noticed this. You're showing me your nostrils now on Zoom, and I swear to God, I cannot see it. (laughs) I was struck by how many of those videos, I felt like they were the only thing on my For You page this week, which given the verdict in the Derek Chauvin-George Floyd trial and just the, the news throughout the country this week, I was really surprised not to be seeing more political stuff in my For You page. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, again, another reason why I'm glad I didn't have TikTok (laughs) as a teen, because the way the app will um, shadow ban (laughs) content, which sounds like like I'm part of the intellectual dark web, but I swear to God I'm not. And it's just objectively true that TikTok will just straight up remove or not show content, which is what shadow banning is, where they don't technically not allow you to post, but they won't show it in like the algorithm or something. So you're not removed from the app, but you were removed from, I guess, public consumption is basically the concept behind shadow banning. And at some point in the lead up to the um, George Floyd, Derek Chauvin verdict on Tuesday, they had gotten rid of the abolish police hashtag. Like when you click on hashtags on a video, they are kind of white bolded to show you that you can click on them and see other videos like that. And then for a while in the lead up to the um, verdict, you couldn't click on abolish police. It was just kind of there, which happens with hashtags that are not permissible on TikTok, which usually has to do with like sexual content. I actually reached out to TikTok to ask what was up. And a spokesperson told me that the specific hashtag abolish the police was taken down in error. In error? Like, what yeah. does that mean? I too Like have someone questions. accidentally took it off. Someone took it I, off and it shouldn't have been <laughs> taken off. Someone took it off and there was a decision that was reviewed and they were like, oh, we fucked up. Like, what does an error mean? The bot did it? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I still have many questions, but I was told that it was an error and that other abolish hashtags remained up. As to Tuesday night after the Derek Chauvin guilty verdict, what you were describing as content suppression, what sometimes users will describe as being shadow banned, TikTok support tweeted that evening and said that they were experiencing an issue that caused some users a delay, a quote unquote delay in videos being posted and that they fixed the issue the following morning at like 3 a.m., which again, timing, hell of a thing. Mm, No one thinks, I don't want to say no one thinks, No, I think that's accurate. No one thinks of TikTok as a free speech platform. And TikTok has never made it seem like a free speech platform. In fact, finding ways to get around the censoring algorithm is so baked into the culture now that it's not abnormal to see people spell sex like S-E-G-G-S, which always just makes me laugh. But in the case of quote-unquote political content, aka whether or not Black people deserve to be murdered for existing by the police, the fact that TikTok has this control and that in the place of showing actual content around a breaking news event, they decided to show (laughs) me, and I'm assuming a lot of other people, how unsymmetrical people's faces are, is deeply unsettling for so many different reasons. I mean, that seems like as good a place as any to end this conversation. Just feeling unsettled. Feeling unsettled in my body. (laughs) 
All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feeds on Wednesday. But in the meantime, please subscribe and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And please, please tell a friend. It really helps us find new listeners. While you're telling your friends how much you love us, (laughs) if you have a piece of internet history that you've been thinking about forever. You are also deeply concerned about your unequal nostrils. Or you want to know how dance moves might end up copyrighted. You can send us a email at icymyslate.com or tweet at us using the hashtag icymypod. And our handles are in the show notes. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman is Slate's culture editor. And Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. See you online. Or not. Well, you made me laugh like a seal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.